Good morning and welcome to HodgePodge this Thursday, May 14th, 2020. And today we continue with our COVID-19 updates, uh, local updates. Uh, today joining me uh, on Zoom, we've got uh, Detroit Lakes City Administrator Kelsey Clem and also from Essentia here in Detroit Lakes, Dr. Andrew Moan, who is in podiatry. He is going to talk a little bit about uh, elective surgeries and uh, some of the things they're ramping up there at uh, Essentia in town. And good morning, gentlemen. Morning, Carol. All right. Uh, well, Kelsey, let's first start with you. Uh, some of the things, of course, yesterday, last night, uh, the governor was on uh, talking about his latest executive order, 2056, uh, slowly reopening uh, retail stores and giving more guidance on uh, outdoor activities and such, and even holding meetings and gatherings uh, and the like as we continue uh, through this pandemic. And uh, some of the things maybe that you can update us on based on the latest announcement by the governor, uh, how that affects uh, retailers in the city, um, you know, social gatherings. I know that the city is kind of the hub for permits uh, when people want to hold like weddings or gatherings or events. Uh, and we've got a big event season coming up. Uh, but uh, what can you update us on this morning? Yeah, Carol, I'll touch on a few things. Again, there was quite a bit there to digest of what the governor issued last night, there was actually a total of four executive orders. Of course, the one that uh, most people are talking about is that executive order that you mentioned about reopening the economy. And the other thing it does is basically allows the existing stay at home order expire uh, at midnight uh, next Monday, the 18th. And it, that then gets replaced with this new executive order that does a couple of things. Um, one of the things that it continues to do, and that's part of the, uh, one of the other executive orders he issued last night was still put some protections in for uh, basically at-risk population. Again, kind of encouraging, even though the stay-at-home order is lifted for most of the general public, he's still uh, basically strongly recommending those people who have that uh, meet that at-risk criteria to still stay at home. Um, again, kind of the elderly population or those who have underlying health conditions to remain at home. Again, I put out a plug for those who need assistance if they're not comfortable going to the grocery store because they meet one of those at-risk categories to participate in our volunteer DL um, hotline. Uh, the number there is 850-3314 or they can email us at volunteerdl at cityofdetroitlakes.com and that's going to remain in place for a while. Uh, I guess you know the the reopening in the economy creates kind of two new standards I if I was summarizing it. On the social end, it's the new um, not more than 10 people standard. Uh, it's kind of what was put out by the governor. Uh, on the business side, again, kind of summarizing it, it's the new not more than 50% occupancy in your store for doing business in a, one of those non-critical sector retail businesses. Uh, there are some caveats to that. Again, those retailers are still supposed to provide a plan um, that meets the deed template. They're supposed to have that in place. They're supposed to have PPE in place, follow social distancing and those different rules that we've been talking about for the last couple of months. Um, you know, I guess for the way it's gonna impact some of our city operations, uh, you know, at least here at City Hall, we do plan on reopening the, the public lobby at City Hall starting on Monday. Again, we certainly encourage people, if they don't have to come in, don't continue to use 
online, call us, email us. Uh, but if you do have to come in, we encourage you to schedule uh, an appointment ahead of time. So again, we can try to keep social distancing and, and abide by those rules. Uh, public meetings, uh, you know, we are pretty much done through May, except for we have a planning commission meeting. And as we start preparing for June council meetings, I'm looking at probably doing some sort of hybrid option where it'd be in-person meetings, but also have a Zoom option for those who aren't comfortable, who wanna maybe speak or participate in the meeting remotely, they have a way to do that. Parks and Rec, of course, is a hot topic. Uh, we have a actually a conference car, a webinar with the League of Minnesota Cities later today, and I'm sure we're gonna cover a lot of this ground. Um, and I think the good news is with the governor's executive order for some of our closed facilities that we've had in our parks, you know, like our pickleball courts, our tennis courts, the skateboard park, I think the new executive order gives us a path forward starting Monday. Um, you know, we're gonna have to probably put out some guidance. People have to, again, abide by the governor's executive order that not more than 10 people congregate, but I do see a path forward there with those rules in place. Um, the pavilion, I guess the pavilion and other community events, we've pretty much seen things canceled through June. Uh, I think our next scheduled event is at the end of June, is still hanging on. Um, otherwise, a lot of our community events through June have mostly been postponed or canceled. Um, you know, I think that's typical in a lot of what I've talked to other cities too. Um, you know, some are still maybe holding out for later in the summer, but certainly through June, we've seen most of those things canceled. And, you know, again, the, the governor's current executive order stays in place through the end of May. So hopefully we'll have more guidance, maybe, you know, as we get into, uh, when we talk about summer rec and some of these other community events, we'll be able to reevaluate that with some additional guidance. Um, campgrounds. Um, you know, my family is a, we have a camper and we, we like to go to campgrounds, so this impacts us, but at least through May, uh, the governor did open up remote campsites. You know, the way I'd explain those is, you know, the Boundary Waters type canoe sites, those are allowed to be open, but developed campgrounds for transient travelers, those are supposed to remain closed through the end of May. Now, seasonal campgrounds, were allowed to, to be open um, and seasonal resorts were able to be open per the old executive order. So that hasn't changed, but um, basically those developed camp uh, sites for transient uh, campers are to stay closed through May. Um, you know, that's quite a bit of things. I, again, on the business side, uh, you know, bars, restaurants, salons, barbers, those are to remain closed through the end of May. I think he, the governor did provide some light at the end of that, of saying, you know, hope to have those reopen starting June 1. Uh, I think the other date that's important to note in the executive order is the governor uh, directed his commissioners to create a plan on how those businesses can reopen. And that has to be presented to the public by May 20th. So I think that's kind of next date is for us to, to see what that's gonna be, uh, what that guidance is gonna look like on or before May 20th on how those businesses can open after June 1st. All right. Detroit Lake City Administrator Kelsey Clem on the line with me this morning talking about the latest executive orders and some of the effects uh, uh, trickling down to our local area. Uh, Kelsey, uh, one question is, um, you know, 
we've heard about these plans, putting plans in place and businesses having them in place in order to reopen. And I know I've heard the governor say, you know, we're not going to go in and, and ask for these plans. But what are the, I mean, obviously, because they are to be in place, I mean, who enforces that? And I mean, it's, it's, all, it's all personal responsibility, right? Or business responsibility. It is, Carol. Um, those plans did not have to be submitted. Uh, you know, those who haven't looked at the plan, I'll just give you a little bit of flavor of what that is. It talks about things about allowing telework, um, you know, a statement to employers, to employees that if they feel sick to stay at home, uh, abide by social distancing. It talks about hygiene, about, you know, washing hands. And then there's also some cleaning protocols. That's kind of a, in a nutshell of what those plans are supposed to look like. Um, you know, there's probably good reasons for businesses from a liability standpoint why they, you know, if the executive order says you're supposed to have a plan in place, you probably want to have that plan in place. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, Detroit Lake City Administrator Kelsey Clem on the line with me this morning, getting our local COVID-19 update. And we are going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we also have Dr. Andrew Mohn from Essentia Health in Detroit Lakes on the line with us this morning. And he'll be talking about uh, elective procedures and how uh, those are ramping up here at our local uh, health care facilities, uh, health care providers as well, as we continue on HodgePodge this this Thursday morning coming up next. Good morning and welcome back to HodgePodge. This Thursday morning, we are talking about uh, COVID-19 and uh, the local response here on the show this morning. And joining me next, I've got Dr. Andrew Moen from Essentia Health, and he is going to talk a little bit about uh, how things are ramping up for uh, elective surgeries. And uh, good morning, Dr. Moen. We got a good, good morning. morning, Carol. Right. Thanks, thanks for, for yeah, yes, thanks for joining us. And let's talk a little bit about uh, what's going on at our local healthcare providers, Essentia Health, uh, and elective procedures. Are uh, are you open for elective procedures right now? And what is the plan to continue? Yeah. So here's the story, um, Doctor. Excuse me, Governor Walz. Uh, put an executive order regarding the types of uh, care that uh, hospitals in Minnesota should provide and and could provide at the beginning of March. So it's been uh, two months in that time. And we've seen tremendous evolution of uh, healthcare and giant changes that I haven't seen in uh, years. Um, So we've had to adapt and learn to how to uh, conduct business just like everybody else's learn to conduct business differently in this uh, COVID-19 era. Um, It worked really well. I I think many of the things that we wanted to accomplish have been accomplished, Um, namely the ability to provide care that's safer in the COVID-19 era. This virus is kind of a crazy thing and how contagious it is. And so we've had to really adapt and adopt new practices that really hadn't been thought of uh, before. so in the, in the weeks that we've been shut down for elective cases, we've really uh, modified those practices and, and are really getting a, uh, a safer way to you know, proceed with both uh, surgeries, but also just uh, seeing patients in the clinic and seeing patients at home through virtual visits and those kind of things. We've really ramped up our ability to test for COVID-19, both in patients 
and uh, symptomatic providers just to ensure that we're really not uh, putting both patients at risk when they're at the hospital facility, but also providers not being at risk at the hospital facility. So we have testing that can be done in three manners. One is called a rapid test. And that's what we've been using for a lot of our emergent surgical cases. We've still been having a busy operating room in the last, uh, uh, really in the last few weeks, things have gotten busier as people have been more active and outdoors and unfortunately sustained fractures and uh, various other uh, ailments that are more emergent. So we've been working in our operating room for uh, probably 50% capacity, but the ability to perform what's called a rapid test ensures that uh, patients that we bring to the operating room uh, don't have uh, active COVID-19. And that really reduces the risk for our providers, but also for the patient that uh, is having the procedure. Now, as we ramp up and uh, look towards doing more of these, you know, what we consider more urgent or even into our elective procedures like total joint replacements, we have the ability to test all patients that are coming to the operating room again, for both patient safety as well as staff safety. Some other things that we've been doing in the hospital um, have been to set up screening stations. I'm sure anybody that's come in for a clinic visit has gone through our screening stations where we have uh, nurses asking for the common symptoms, taking temperatures and those kind of things, as well as the universal masking protocols. So uh, in the last two months, we've really changed a lot of our processes similar to what the other businesses in town are asked to do, but in a healthcare facility, we really have to step up our game to make sure that we're uh, at the top of the best practice standpoint. All right, I'm on the line with Dr. Andrew Moen from Essentia Health here in Detroit Lakes, talking about how uh, healthcare is responding to the COVID-19 and the pandemic and moving forward with uh, ramping up elective procedures. So what is the process if somebody... Uh, would like a, you know, hip replacement, a knee replacement, you know, what are the steps that they yep. take? I mean, obviously they had, people have had these scheduled and have had to reschedule, Correct. Uh, but what, what goes on? Yeah. So it's, it's been a challenge, right? So we canceled all of those cases and put them into what we call a holding depot. And we have all sorts of people behind the scenes working the schedules and really trying to coordinate everyone's care because just because there's a COVID-19 doesn't mean that nobody's getting sick or these injuries just went away or the arthritis has uh, improved. And so we really have a responsibility to care for patients, even though um, we have this pandemic. The challenge is we need to make sure that we can do it in the safest way possible. So right now we're just in the process of restarting some of those um, elective type cases, you know, they're still necessary procedure, but, uh, you know, total joints are, are a classic and they are, are something that people plan for months in advance. Uh, we kind of organize our lives around that. So in the next few weeks, we'll be able to restart our total joints. Usually those uh, types of procedures require a patient to stay in the hospital for a night. Um, we're not doing the overnight stays uh, as of today, just as we're buttoning up a few uh, loose ends and Governor Walsh really in his uh, executive order uh, doesn't recommend that in, until uh, next week and Essentia Health is really tr 
trying hard to uh, follow all of the Minnesota Hospital Association and the Minnesota Department of Health uh, recommendations. So in the next few weeks, we're going to carefully and, and methodically start to uh, schedule some of those uh, more advanced elective procedures. In the meantime, we're starting some of the uh, um, more outpatient elective cases, such as a carpal tunnel release and, and some of the other orthopedic and, and other types of procedures we do on a routine basis at Essentia Health. All right, Dr. Andrew Moan from Essentia Health here in Detroit Lakes talking about the response locally to COVID-19. Uh, Dr. Moan, also uh, t- talk a little bit more about, so you have uh, hospital beds, obviously, because you said, as you said, people do get sick and there have to be, you know, emergency procedures, uh, operations going on. Uh, but do you have, you know, what is our hospital bed count uh, available for people with non-COVID uh, situations. Yeah, so that's one of the key things we've been working on is we have two tasks, right? So one is to care for and prepare for patients that come in with these COVID symptoms, and it, it can be pretty significant. Um, the other is to care for patients that have what we consider our, you know, our routine or our our normal uh, health conditions that require hospitalization. So. We have to care for both patients at the same time. We've done some really interesting things at the hospital. One is we've opened a, a floor that hadn't been used for inpatient stay. It had uh, been converted over to a procedural area. We converted that uh, back. It's called the second floor at Essentia Health. We've converted that back to um, what we're going to use as our COVID floor so that we can maintain a physical separation of patients that are affected with COVID-19. And then our normal medical surgical floor on the third floor of the hospital um, will maintain as a business as usual. So we're not going to have, we're going to reduce the risk of cross-contamination. So we feel that that's a, a safer way to be able to care for both uh, situations of patients going forward. And that's really the recommendations of all the national and, and state um, best practices. So we feel really good that we've been able to um, get that up and running. All right. And how much uh, are you okay on the protective gear? I mean, we hear stories across the country and even in the state that uh, there is a concern about having enough protective equipment, you know, if the and when uh, the COVID-19 ramps up uh, through the state. Do you have enough protective equipment? Yeah, that's really the hot topic. And and one of the benefits of us kind of being later in the game uh, as the coasts got hit and then as we've been able to delay our surge and and that's the whole part of flattening the curve is to delay 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 so that we have time to prepare and in these last few weeks and months there's been some dramatic changes the biggest thing that we worry about is a mask called an n95 mask and people have seen this uh, around um, previously those were always just a one-time use mask and with innovation of uh, people across the country and across the world and industry, they've determined uh, different processes where you can uh, reprocess an N95 mask. And so instead of just getting one use, we can get multiple uses up to 10 uses, um, doing some pretty cool stuff, some UV sterilization and some other processes that can really expand along some of our PPE usage. And then companies like 3M have really ramped up their uh, production so that, uh, uh, we feel f- pretty good about where we're at. The other main thing is that when we didn't know the status of a patient that was 
coming to the operating room, coming to the hospital, uh, we had to provide care with maximum protection for our uh, providers, our nurses, our physicians, all of the staff. So having this rapid test has been a game changer so that if we can determine a patient does not have COVID-19 or have, has a lower likelihood of having COVID-19, we can preserve some of our PPE uh, in that manner and just use standard uh, PPE that we have a reasonable supply of. All right, Dr. Andrew Mohn from Essentia Health here in Detroit Lakes talking about the COVID-19 local response uh, here at the hospital. And of course, employees are keeping themselves healthy. And uh, again, like everybody else, if they're sick, don't come in if you have symptoms. But are they getting tested regularly as well? Yep. So just like any visitor or patient that comes to the hospital, all of us that uh, work at the facility, are all screened at the door, just basically the same as everybody. Uh, the main symptoms are things like cough and you know the loss of taste and smell. Um, and then all temperatures are screened at the door as well. And, and we have a pretty robust uh, self-reporting uh, hotline that employees are expected to call if they feel any of the symptoms. And then there's an algorithm that works through. And if an employee needs is, you know, suspicious for any of the symptoms, they will uh, have a COVID test and, and we will work through uh, with the results of that. But again, just the same as most businesses, if, if uh, we have employees that are sick or if we have physicians that are sick or uh, anybody that works at our facility, if, if they're feeling sick, we're uh, emphasizing that they need to self-report and, uh, and not come to work or, or get tested. So... All right. And of course, the, the testing does continue across the, the county, the city. If people are feeling ill, uh, you are ask if, asked a few questions. And if you have any symptoms at all, you are tested. Yeah, and that's a really good thing to emphasize. Um, we really want to try to do this with the least amount of person-to-person uh, -person contact as possible. So we, uh, Essentia Health has what's called an e-visit. Through the website, you can answer a bunch of questions, um, and there's clinicians on the other side of that e-visit that uh, work through an algorithm, and if you meet the criteria for testing, then you're directed right to that drive-through testing facility in the parking lot, and so there's no person-to-person -person contact. That's the main thing of this, is the, the contagiousness of this virus, so if we can just get the testing done without any person-to-person -person contact, and they're not uh, meeting symptoms that would require hospitalization, we can know that they... Uh, are COVID positive and quarantine at home and recover at home uh, with certain follow-ups. And we're gonna, uh, with our primary care department, we're doing a good job of following up on those positive tests just to reassure the, our patients that they're, they're doing the right thing. But we always recommend calling ahead. And even for the patients that are coming to the emergency room, we request uh, that they call the staff to give a heads up, uh, not because we're, you know, um, going to treat patients any different if we do or don't have COVID, but really the protection of the staff is, is super important. Just um, if we have uh, staff that uh, are exposed to COVID or, or con uh, contract COVID, then we're going to uh, really be challenged with the, the medical staff at the facility. So we're trying to keep all of our, our staff and providers healthy and uh, follow the, uh, the recommendations and the guidelines. 
Okay. All right, Dr. Andrew Mullen from Essentia Health here in Detroit Lakes. Uh, thank you so much for the information, and uh, uh, we will continue to monitor uh, COVID-19, the response here locally, of course. We get our local updates every Thursday uh, from the City of Detroit Lakes, Kelsey Clem, City Administrator, and uh, and uh, more from our local responders, our healthcare workers, our very important people, and it was a very neat thing to see the flyover yesterday, so I hope you had a chance to see that, uh, Dr. Mullen. I was in the parking lot that was great yeah (laughs) all right well thank you so much uh for your work and uh appearing on hodgepodge today and kelsey before we wrap up i just wanted to go back to you of course uh one of the things at the council meeting you extended the emergency declaration and uh, that is just to continue in line with every uh the state and uh, being able to apply for aid or funds uh during this COVID 19 pandemic yeah you're exactly right, Carol. It, it just provides us some flexibility with operations, continue implementing kind of our pandemic plan as far as how we do, uh, again, city employees and city operations and gives us the ability to apply for some of those state and federal resources as they become available. All right. Uh, Kelsey, well, thank you so much for uh, updating us today. And I appreciate all your work uh, as well, coordinating a lot of things, uh, not only with the city, but you get a group of folks together three times a week to really keep everybody up to speed on what everybody's needs are and what they're working on. And I appreciate all your work. Thanks, Carol. All right. Thank you. And that is going to wrap up HodgePodge for today. Thanks for tuning in. Coming up, we'll have more local news next on KDLM this Thursday morning.